Giants fans, and welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of the For the Fans, By the Fans, a podcast where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the Giants get ready for their series with the Fighting Phillies of Philadelphia, we welcome Doug Bell to the pod. Doug is the vice president of marketing for one of my favorite consulting clients, Searchmetrics, a software-as-a-service SEO optimization company. Outside of slinging backlinks and hrefs, Doug is a devoted fan of all things Philadelphia sports, and we're happy to welcome him to the For the Fans, By the Fans podcast. But before Doug tries to turn the focus of this podcast from baseball to football so he can talk about his beloved Super Bowl champion, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandise. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. They also have a jersey insurance program, which means if you buy a jersey from a player who gets traded within 90 days of your purchase, Fanatics will replace that jersey with another jersey from the same team. For example, if you're an Eagles fan like our buddy Doug here, and you buy the jersey of a journeyman quarterback turned Super Bowl champ, (coughs) Nick Foles, (laughs) Fanatics will exchange that jersey if and when that player, (coughs) Nick Foles, (coughs) gets traded for a third round pick, two sticks, and a bag of nickels. So with that said, welcome to the pod, Douglas. How are you doing? Doing really well. Great. Really enjoyed your little preamble. That was great. So before we get start talking about baseball, why don't we fill the FTF BTF listeners in on the inside joke? Tell everyone about our bet related to Nick Foles. Nick Foles, the MVP quarterback from this year's Super Bowl, if I recall. Is that the Nick Foles you're referring to, Ben? Yes, the journeyman quarterback. So I'm going to be the insufferable Philadelphia fan on this call. Be prepared. The bet is that Nick Foles will get traded for at least a second round pick. In return for my winning the bet, I will be receiving a very nice bottle of bourbon from Ben. The context or the caveats to that bet is Nick Foles needs to be traded in a package that includes a second round pick, and it has to happen before the start of the 2018-2019 football season. I'm not going to make you buy me Pappy Van, but I think it's a certainty. So think about saving up for a really nice bottle. So the bet here is that Nick Foles gets traded and that Philadelphia goes into the season with Carson Wentz, who has now recovered from his ACL tear. That's the bet. It's officially on the record. It's on the record. Everyone's heard it. And uh, I will make you buy me Pappy Van Winkle when (laughs) Nick Foles gets traded for two third round picks or does not get traded before the beginning of the season. I look forward to sharing that bottle of bourbon with you, my friend. I don't know if that was part of the bet. Anyway. (laughs) So for starters, Doug, let's talk a little bit about baseball. My understanding is that Philly fans are notoriously, how should I say this, abrasive, mean-spirited, hostile. Uh, Tell me what it's like to be part of a fan base that throws batteries at Santa Claus. Oh, wow. Off the start. Right off the bat, so to speak. You know, I'll share a little anecdote with you, Ben, which was when uh, I was at a Phillies game in the late 80s, college student in Philadelphia at the time, and the Phillies were not good. They were pretty horrible. I think Nick Leva was the manager at the time. Anyway, we were, uh, of course, doing the Philadelphia fan thing, which is screaming at the fans, cursing, yelling with our other college students. And there was a middle-aged guy with his two young kids in front of me. And at some point, he finally got fed up and he turned around and he said, hey, will you guys stop swearing? I'm here with my children. 
And we felt awful, but in the second or two we felt awful, everybody in the stands around us screamed profanities at this guy for telling us to stop swearing. I think that's the quintessential representation of what it's like to be a Philadelphia fan. I don't even know how to follow up with that other than having children. I can only relate that to being something similar to going to an Oakland Raiders game, maybe. (laughs) I mean, what it comes down to is passion for the sport is huge. The passion for all Philadelphia sports are huge. People are very much live and die by their teams. Unlike the Fairweather fans that joined on the Giants bandwagon in 2010. Right. And let's actually take a trip down memory lane and talk about 2010 now that you bring it up. The Giants and Phillies faced off in the playoffs in the 2010 NLCS. Why don't we go through that series in a game-by-game fashion and you tell us what you remember about each game? I can give you a capstone comment, which is that Cody Ross is pure evil, but please go ahead. I'll take us through. That was much more polite than I thought it was going to be. So game one of the 2010 NLCS starting pitchers are Tim Lincecum and Roy Holiday. What do you remember about that game? I remember that Roy had thrown a no-no, actually a perfect game in the Cincinnati series leading up to that one and feeling like Lincecum was overmatched. I also remember that Roy was not at his best. I think he gave up 10 hits if I'm recalling correctly, and had trouble with his pitch count. And it was uh, discouraging to watch Roy not have the best game possible. That's my recall of that game. So looking back at the scoring line, the game was tied. Uh, Cody Ross hit a home run in the third, followed up by a home run by I think Carlos Ruiz in the third. San Francisco pulled ahead on a single by Buster Posey in the fifth. So Giants up two to one. Both teams score two runs off of home runs in the seventh, and the Giants ended up winning four to three. And that second home run was again by Cody Ross, who hit two home runs off of Roy Holiday. So game one, Giants go up one nothing to start the series in Philadelphia. Game two comes around. Do you remember anything about game two? I don't, Ben, but you clearly have Wikipedia up in front of you, so I'm quickly matching your Wikipedia with mine. So game two, Roy Oswalt playing, pitching against Jonathan Sanchez. The Phillies wiped the floor with the Giants. It was a relatively close game to the fifth, a two to one game with Philadelphia ahead. And Philadelphia scored four runs in the seventh to take the game to tie the series at one to one. The series shifts to game three. Now we have Matt Kane against Cole Hamels. Little known fact to people outside of San Francisco, but Matt Cain went through the entire 2010 playoffs without giving up a run. So you can imagine how this game went. Matt Cain picks up the win. Cole Hamels, the loss. The Giants win 3 nothing. And Edgar Renteria, Freddie Sanchez, Buster Posey, Pat Burrell, Aubrey Huff, all in on the action for the Giants scoring. You asked me to go back seven years in a series that I did my best to forget. And I have to admit, I mean, I'm recalling watching each of these games in kind. And the thing that stuck out for me throughout the entire series was the Phillies' ability to put runs on the board. And I felt like they were outmatched by the Giants more often than I thought. And then Cody Ross was the guy that kept coming through again and again. I also recall thinking, geez, you've got a lot of the former Phillies players. Do you recall who was playing center field for the Giants at that time? Aaron Rowan was the backup center fielder. Yeah, he started in game three, and he had a couple great catches, which at the end of the day really hurt the team as much as Cody Ross. Aaron Rowan, interesting contract. When the Giants were rebounding from the terrible Pedro Feliz years, Aaron Rowan was the first free agent signing, the first person that would come to San Francisco, and he actually left from Philadelphia after winning a World Series, if I recall. And I think he was pretty popular in Philadelphia. Tell me, what do you think of Aaron Rowan? 
Aaron was the guy that was beloved in Philadelphia for having an orbital fracture of his face after crashing into the fence to catch a ball. It was reminiscent of the natural, except Aaron didn't die. But he was out for weeks and was probably not worth the catch, but he was that kind of typical blue-collar player that the Philadelphia fan base loves. He also had a batting stance that made it look like he was taking a shit while in the batter's box. Yeah, I think he adopted that only for the Giants. That was his just open disdain for having to play for the Giants franchise, I believe. Must have really hated winning that World (laughs) Series championship ring. That must have been rough. So moving on, going to game four, San Francisco takes the game again with Brian Wilson picking up the win. This was Madison Bumgarner facing off against Joe Blanton. Joe Blanton, the uh, round mound of pitching rebound. Any comments on Joe Blanton and his career in Philadelphia? Joe was a great five-hole pitcher for us for a really long time. you got to remember that that was the staff of aces, right? We had top to bottom for, you know, I would argue for the better pitchers in the NL at that time. No comment on Matt Cain at that point, but great pitchers. He went out there every fifth game and was the seventh best pitcher on that staff. And yes, he's a former A, which endears him to me. And he put in, I think it was a four or five ERA for the year, solid innings. He'd go six every time he played. It was a little known fact, though, in that game is that Roy had to come in and relieve was actually the losing pitcher, Roy Oswalt. True, true. Roy Oswalt is the losing pitcher in game four. Let's go through the pitching staff for that team. You had Holiday, Cole Hamels. You didn't have Cliff Lee yet, did you? He had been traded the year before we reacquired him in 2011. Right. So we missed Cliff Lee. So Holiday, Hamels, Oswalt, Blanton. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. So game five, Roy Holiday against Tim Lincecum again. This one goes Philadelphia's way. And let's get on to game six, which is my favorite game of the series. Jonathan Sanchez as the starter makes it through, I think it was two innings and almost gets in a fight with Chase Utley, leaves the game with the Giants down 2-0. And the Giants scrap their way back to take a 3-2 lead in the eighth inning. With another Cody Ross RBI, he doubled and Juan Uribe scored. And the Giants come back and win 2-3 to three after being down 2 nothing to take the series. Chase Utley, not exactly a Giants fan favorite. Tell me, is he as big of an asshole in person as he looks like he is on TV? Yeah, so go back in time, if you will, a bit, because I understand why Giants fans would not love probably one of the greatest second basemen of all time and Chase Utley, but go back in time and remember when it was him and it was Jimmy Rollins and it was... uh, Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, thank you. And that team, and you had three people competing for the NL MVP at all times. So that's the Chase Utley I remember. I remember the guy who took every at-bat seriously, who studied harder than anybody else, and frankly, just never cracked a smile even when he hit a home run. And that was the guy that I think of. Now, you're thinking of the guy that played for the Dodgers and was a Giants killer for years and years. But yeah, Chase is that guy for me. So let's talk about the Phillies this year. Uh, Right now, they're sitting in third place behind the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Tell me about this year's Phillies team. What should the Giants fans know? Uh, Gosh, you've got a team full of really young, interesting talent. I think their analog right now is the A's, actually, who's another favorite team of mine, being an Oakland resident. There's a lot of really young hitting talent that's still forming. I think the most exciting player on that team is Rice Hoskins, who was in AAA this time last year. Right around the same time he was catching fire in August and September, I think he had 18 jacks in something like 20-something games, something ridiculous, 22 games. 
there was a guy over in Oakland that was catching fire and I think stole some of his thunder. So look out for him. He hit a couple knocks against you guys last year. You probably remember the guy that hit the three-run homer in the second game of the series. Fun guy to watch. Our kind of big disappointing player right now is Mikel Franco. He was a hot prospect for years. He's been underperforming. He's recently had a bit of a surge. We'll see how he does against the Giants. He's the guy that's been hitting 240, should be hitting 310. Uh, lots of power, no play discipline at all. And then we've got this guy named Aaron Nola, who you probably have heard about. He's the ace of the staff. He is Cole Hamels, two inches shorter, with a little bit more variety in his pitches, but uh, wicked changeup, lots of precision. So power hitting left fielder, a high ceiling third baseman that's underperforming, and an up and coming southpaw in as a starting pitcher. Those are the players the Giants should be thinking about. How has the team performed so far this season? As I mentioned, they're sitting in third place. So is that to your expectations behind, or how are you feeling about the season so far? I think this is a team that's going to finish just out of the playoffs. There's too much young talent that has to form. There's a brand new manager in place who's really kind of putting down his way of approaching things. It's much more analytical. We were kind of the last team to let go of the old kind of scout system, the old non-analytical system. I think those things will take time to come together. I also think that that pitching staff is two pitchers deep right now. Everybody knows about the signing of Arietta, and I've talked about Aaron Nola. I think our third, fourth, and fifth hole pitchers are okay. And I think we'll see them at the end of the season. We'll find a good three-hole pitcher. And then after that, I think we'll struggle to find starting pitching. Great young bullpen. Interested to see what happens there. But also the uh, great is superseded by the word young. So you're telling me that Charlie Manuel wasn't big into analytics? Charlie was pretty folksy. He's a big hero in Philadelphia. And he was a good manager, but I think lucky to manage a lot of great talent. So how much of it was the three potential all of famers he had let's call it four with chase who unfortunately was injured way too much but charlie was i think the right manager at the time but no not an analytics guy and tell me how the phillies fans think about san francisco giants fans and how the giants are going to do this season i don't think the giants are on the radar for the average philadelphia fan i think that having lived in both cities for a fair amount of time i would say that philadelphia tends to look down on west coast fans generally because they are not necessarily as into their teams and more fair-weather fans. So I think that's the perception of Giants fans, fair or unfair. As a person who's, again, lived on both coasts, that's an unfair representation. I think Giants fans are extremely passionate, very knowledgeable. But I would say my own anecdote about Giants fans and the depth of their knowledge versus the typical Philadelphia fan. I was up in the, have you been in the Virgin uh, America lounge before, Ben? It's the one place in the park I haven't sat. Okay. It's a great place. And I have to say, I've had a maybe one too many beers approach to randomly talking to fans there and ask them to tell me where your AAA and AA franchises are located. And I have to tell you, I had a hard time finding a fan that knew that stuff. And I would tell you, yes, the same thing of a Philadelphia fan. Not only would they tell you where the AAA and AA teams, they probably can tell you the difference between their rookie farm team and the team at Lakewood. They could probably tell you who the star pitchers are at the double and AAA level. You're going to tell me that Philadelphia fans know where their double-A, triple-A teams are located and how the teams are doing? They do. They're a knowledgeable base. I feel like we have to put that into uh, some sort of survey and see whose fan bases are, are better. Now I'm getting into my internet marketing hat and we're close to talking about business, but uh, we'll see about that. For the record, the Giants AAA team is in Sacramento. The AA team is in Richmond and the single A team is in San Jose. 
Well done, Ben. Thank you. It's not that I have Wikipedia in front of me at all. <laughs> Their Class A team is the Augusta Green Jackets. Their Class A short team is the Salem Volcanoes. Yeah. Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Redding, Lakewood, Florida. Thank you very much. And you know what? Understanding where the farm system team is it absolutely is a good measure of whether you are passionate about the major league team. I can definitely see how Philadelphia fans take ownership of their rightful place as the most knowledgeable fans in the major leagues. <laughs> You're welcome, Ben. Yep. So tell me about your favorite time going to AT&T Park. Was it the 2010 NLCS? You know, I was at game one, Ben, and was this the game that Cody Ross hit the knock at the end of the game? There were two home runs. God, that's right. There were two. So here's my story about game one of NLCS. Uh, you're right. Cody Ross did hit two home runs and then went off to Florida and completely sucked because that's who Cody Ross was. Not to test Philadelphia fans' knowledge, but he went to Arizona. He came from Florida. I'm sorry, Arizona. He came from Florida. It doesn't matter. He is evil personified. But I was in the uh, sitting in the outfield seats, and I just so happened to be sitting with a group of guys from Ben Salem, which is suburban Philadelphia. It's the equivalent to Long Island culturally for Philadelphia fans listening in. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to sit in the group of these Ben Salem fans. And uh, I have to say that they were unhappy with the results as well as I was. I was sitting there quietly and respectfully, but I watched several of my favorite Ben Salem fans get into three fist fights within the space of about an inning and a half. And if people recall that game, there was at one point when they showed fans in the stands and they had to pan away because there was a fist fight going on. And I was about three or four seats away from that fist fight. So this is not helping the reputation of Philadelphia fans, but they were unhappy with Cody Ross in that game. Now, is that a playoff specialty or is that something that happens regularly in the regular season? You know, they frisk us for batteries at the gate, Ben. So we only have so many tools at our disposal to cause havoc at a game. I feel like I'm just ripping on Philadelphia. It turns out it's a nice place. <laughs> it's a lovely place. And I left it as soon as I could. <laughs> Took my pictures of the Liberty Bell and I decided to go where it was sunny. <laughs> That's correct. So, Doug, let's talk to you about how you became a Phillies fan and who are some of your favorite players on the Phillies? Uh, you know, I grew up in suburban Philadelphia, and this is in the three-channel days. Every once in a while, you could catch New York Station and see the Yankees or maybe watch a Orioles game, depending on what was going on. But um, it was the only game in town, and it was a big part of how I got to spend time with my dad, who was a busy guy. I got to go to games a lot, and this is the old cavernous, you know, the old vet, as they called it. I remember growing up watching the world's greatest ginger fro held by Michael Jack Schmidt and Lazinski and Bake McBride. And of course, uh, Lefty with that just ridiculous breaking ball that would break down on the left when you thought it would go right. And I was watching those guys when they were awful as a six-year-old in 73 and watched them become, at that time, the premier NL franchise along with St. Louis, not the Giants. So Michael Jack Schmidt, third base Hall of Famer, best third baseman of all time. Got to give that to Brooks Robinson. As much as I love Michael Jack, it's hard to argue that he's a Hall of Famer. He's got 500 home runs, two-time NLV MVP. Frankly, was the reason that we won the World Series in 1980. But Brooks Robinson was art in motion. And sorry, Michael Jack, if you're hearing this, but yeah, I'd have to go with Brooks. More popular in Philadelphia, Michael Jack Schmidt, Rocky Balboa, or Carson Wentz? Michael Jack. That's easy. <laughs> wow. Even for millennial fans that don't remember Mike Schmidt, he was the god of the Philadelphia sports scene for 10 years. And people wept when he retired in 87. They uh, We had a parade and grown men and women just bawling on the streets. And this was, the, by the way, not the end of the season. It was mid-season. He stepped down and it was like FDR had died in 1945. <laughs> it was uh, devastating. 
Tell me about some other of your favorite players and maybe even let's mix in some Giants. Any Giants players that you have some admiration for? Will Clark, first base. My childhood hero? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are a bunch of things I always loved about Will. He was a Mississippi gentleman. When he interviewed, he was this great combination of arrogance and politeness. And he had unequivocally the best swing I've ever seen. I think the only swing I've seen that I enjoyed watching more was Chase Utley, just because it was such a compact and great swing. But God, every time he swung that bat, you just wanted him to swing again. I mean, there were times when I would watch Clark strike out and be like, that was that was one of the more enjoyable things I saw this week. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it was yeah, gorgeous. He was a gorgeous strikeout victim. Secretly, the entire purpose for doing this podcast is the hopes of getting Will Clark to be on the show. So, uh, Will, if this ever gets to your ears, you're welcome anytime. You just knock on the door and, and we'll be here for you. I hope I can help you out, buddy. Um, I have to say, I think the best relief pitcher you guys have ever had is, um, let's just go back in the memory banks of most true Giants fans, but Steve Bedrosian, the bedrock. Steve Bedrosian, former Phillies fan. He was the closer in 1989 when the Giants faced the A's in the World Series. He had 40 saves in 88. We traded him off because we were awful to the Giants, and he was an integral part of that team that year. Yeah, absolutely. Who? What other Giants players have departed from Philadelphia? I know we mentioned Aaron Rowan. Who else has gone from Philadelphia to San Francisco? You know, the list is actually pretty long because those franchises have been around for a really, really long time. I think people remember some of the more kind of recent players that are out there. You had a wacky right fielder, Hunter Pence, who I believe is still with the team, but he was one of these kind of one and a half seasons and done Philadelphia type of players that I really wish had stuck around. He's that kind of quirky blue collar, a passionate kind of approach to the game type of player that I think is well admired in both cities. And he was, <laughs> you talk about Aaron Rowan's batting stance. I'm having a hard time thinking of a worse batting stance, frankly. <laughs> you know, it turns out Hunter Pence had a spine condition that was diagnosed by the Giants training staff. And it was like a degenerative spine thing that sets in when you're a child or something along those lines. And that's actually why his stance is so funny. He has this underlying medical condition that wasn't diagnosed for years. I like your dump analogy better, Ben. I, I think you're just <laughs> going to say they both really needed to use the restroom. I'm, I'm looking at San Francisco Giants, Philadelphia trades, and all I'm getting is trade rumors. And as it turns out, the Giants were interested in trading for none other than Chase Utley in 2015. That didn't end up happening. There's not a lot of cross-pollination between the teams, which just really is interesting. And I think when it happens, it feels like a benefit to the Giants. I'm thinking back on all the trades that are happened, and I can't recall one that favored the Phillies. I don't remember who we traded for to get Hunter Pence. It was a goat, a ball of twine, and I believe a catching prospect. I think it might have been Andrew Susak. Yeah, I hope that worked out for you. Yeah, no, it's, he's, uh, he's awesome, whoever that is. <laughs> uh, Giants trade Morgan to the Phils. Joe Morgan, how about that? Yeah, he was a part of the Wheeze Kids, 1983. Joe Morgan, there you go. That actually worked out for us up until we ran into the O's in uh, 83 World Series. There you go. So we giveth and we taketh away. Turns out Joe Morgan was actually traded with Andrew Holland, a top relief pitcher. And that's how the Giants obtained Mike Kruko, who was not only a great pitcher for the Giants, 20-game winner, but also is the famous Giants broadcaster now. You know what? And we got probably one of the most arrogant, difficult players in the history of the Phillies. I don't know if 
people know what a bad clubhouse presence Joe Morgan was, but uh, he comes across that way too if you hear him announce games. Well, as much as we said what the Giants giveth, the Giants take it away, it sounded like that was one-sided too because Kruko ended up being a, a mainstay in the Giants' rotation and also has stayed with the organization beyond his playing career. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, that was a hell of a team, the 83 Phils. Uh, Joe Morgan was a big part of it, but boy, they couldn't get rid of Joe fast enough after that. And before we let you go, any last stories or any uh, favorite moments in baseball or in Giants Philly baseball history? I have to say, Ben, the resentment at the 2010 Giants runs very deep with me and with my Philadelphia fans. I have to say that my memories of that season are blurred completely by our loss in the NLCS. And it was funny because I feel like in a lot of ways, Philadelphia was handing off the mantle of you know NL excellence to the Giants at that time. I know this is supposed to be me ripping on the Giants, but in retrospect, it was really the beginning of the decline of the Phillies, as great as we were at that time. And it was time for a new model to take over. And I know that model has broken down for you guys recently, but wow, three World Series after that. So I remember at the time being very upset. Again, Cody Ross is the devil. Hopefully, Will Clark also hates Cody Ross. But as much as I look back and I feel upset about that, I do feel like that was our kind of passing the mental on to the Giants. Now you get to go through the rebuilding phase. Congratulations. I think the Phillies are way ahead. I look forward to the Phillies coming and dominating the Giants once again. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree that the Phillies are light years ahead. Obviously, a team with some young talent, and we'll see how good they are in the upcoming series. So, Doug, thank you for being on the For the Fans, By the Fans podcast. And that's a wrap for today's show. Our plan is to do this every week. So if you want more Giants baseball on your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. Since we're just getting started, we'd also love for you to give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can send us any questions or comments at forthefansbythefans.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching FTFBTF, which stands for For the Fans by the Fans. Thanks to our friends at Fanatics. Uh, If you're going to go buy your Giants gear or your Philadelphia Phillies gear, uh, you can click the link in our show notes or go to ftfbtf.com slash fanatics. And Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help produce this show. That's it for this time. Until next time, swing and a miss. And that's it. 